What were Jesus' last words? Go out into the whole world and make disciples. This Catholic podcast is all about helping you say yes to the final and greatest invitation of Jesus, the adventure you were made for. Together, let's explore what business, education, organizational leadership, popes, saints, and scriptures say about fulfilling the Great Commission. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Being and Making Disciples. We are very, very excited to have joining us today, Jason and Rachel Bowman. Jason and Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having us. It's our pleasure. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. It's a it's a gift to have you here. So Jason and Rachel are, I think, you what you would call a Catholic power couple, if you don't mind me saying so. Um, they uh, have they have a lot uh, to to offer. They bring a lot to the Lord and they offer the Lord a lot. So in addition to their the way they model uh, holiness in marriage and holiness in parenting, raising children to love and serve the Lord. Um, they are also involved in a variety of different ministries. So uh, one of those is that the Bowmans opened up their home to start a young adult ministry and uh, really practiced the the fundamental Christian virtue of hospitality. And in that evangelized dozens and dozens and dozens of young adults. And it's such a simple model that, that uh, really anybody can follow that I can't wait to talk a little bit more about that. Um, and then in addition to that, they are in formation for Jason to become a deacon, God willing, if that's what he wants, uh, if that's what the Lord wants for your family. Uh, and then on top of that, Rachel is a public speaker, an author, and an amazing musician. So Rachel writes for Word on Fire and also has an upcoming book with our Sunday visitor on the theology of motherhood. So there's, I could, I could probably go on and on with all of the, the great things you guys do for the Lord. Uh, but again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Our pleasure. So one of the things that we want to discuss in this podcast is uh, really the, the reasons for having hope with what God is doing in the church. And I think if we have eyes to see, there is a there, grace abounds and the Lord is doing so much. Um, and it really, just like with the Blessed Virgin who said yes and ushered in the salvation of the world, when we say yes to him and open our hearts and our homes, then he does great things through us. So one of the, the, the really fruitful ministries that I've heard about in our diocese, and this is it's interesting that it's like just on the domestic scale, is the young adult ministry that you all ran out of your home up until very recently. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? I mean, it's, it, it really is kind of um, a mystery, I think, even to, to us when, you know, the fact that you even heard about it is is kind of astounding. Um, and it, it, it started very simple. I mean, I would say that the core of our ministry is, is the family. Um, starts with our marriage and our children and really striving for holiness in our home. And Rachel and I you know, we've been doing young adult ministry ever since we got married. Um, it was, it's funny, we tell people like ministry has been kind of um, like a, a big part of, mm-hmm. of, our, of our marriage, of our early life, and even having children and that kind of thing. And we had the blessing of, of having seminarians in our lives as well that sort of helped form our first young adult ministry that we did um, with Amanda, who you know very well, uh, Amanda Livermore. And um, and so it was such an organic process mm-hmm. 
wouldn't you say, very organic the way it happened for us. And, um, but after that, we, everybody kind of had kids, you know, so then you have kids and, and the whole dynamic kind of changed. And when we, we took maybe, I don't know, it might've been a little over a year cause it was, it was based at the parish. And so, um, when we had our first child, we ended up, we were going back. And when we came back, we noticed that there was this weird separation in the room. You had young adults that didn't have any children. And then you had young adults that had children. And you could see that, that what they were trying to get across wasn't, everyone wasn't chewing on it the same. Yeah. You, know, yeah. You, had, you had some girls in the room that were totally distracted because there were, there were babies there. And the moms are like, we don't, this is not a big deal. This is like our lives. So, so it doesn't bother us. Um, so I came home after faith formation that night and I, I told Jay, I said, you know, I know this is going to be really weird and maybe it won't be anything, but what do you think about us just asking some people if they wanted to come over? I said, because I think they really want to talk about very deep theology and deep philosophy, mm-hmm. but they don't have the time to do that at the parish because it's it's very structured on time because of childcare and the other mm-hmm. things that were going on on campus at the time. And, and he said, okay. So I think we sent out a couple of text messages to some people and maybe like a Facebook message um, to a handful of people. And that first night, I think 15 people showed up at our house. Wow. Yeah. It took, it took us by surprise. It did. And sure. we yeah, yeah. probably didn't know half of them it was probably the first time we'd ever met them when they came to our house and i think we had did we have two kids yet or did we just have one i think we had two yeah so they so the kids were in bed it was probably about yeah we did about yeah. 8 30 9 o'clock around this time wow which you know for young adults they're like this is the time when we really want to talk about yeah yeah things. um wait it was so wait a second hang on <laughs> So you have you have a ton of free time right now in life because you have two kids. So it's it's like you have nothing going on. Right. And I, weren't you pregnant? I'm pretty sure I was pregnant. I've been pregnant for a good percentage of our marriage. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I think you'll appreciate what what um, what Rachel saw and what we both saw in in the ministry that was going on at the parish. Um, you know, sometimes we get a little bit lost, I think, in, in like um, methodologies or programs or, um, you Actually, know. I think some guys wrote a book about that. Yeah, anyway. something, <laughs> something, I figured maybe they'd know something about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and fortunately, I mean, I think the Lord always is working in our lives, of course. And in the, the experience that we had with our first ministry helped us to see that you know and i know it's almost become like commonplace to say but but um abiding with people like really um accompanying people in their journey spending time with individuals and treating them as persons and um being confident in your own encounter and interior life with the lord enough to want to enter into someone else's life and know that the lord loves them equally, wants to enter their life, wants to show them who he is, who they are. And um, sometimes it can get lost, you know, when you try to do programs, not, you know, this is not a, a, a rant or a belittling of that, but I think sometimes we miss the mark a little bit. 
And so we saw this kind of unfolding, I think, before us. Rachel, especially, she she tends to be the one in our in our marriage that the Lord inspires her with ideas. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. And then it comes and then it, and then it goes well. Um, so pretty much I trust the Lord to, to work on her, her heart. She initiates things. And then, uh, so she, she's like, should we have some people over? And at first I was like, I mean, are we going to get in trouble for doing this? You know, like, are we like you know, like great. The Bullmans are like stealing all the people away. Um, but it worked out really well because it was a particular group of young adults. Cause you know, we've over the years, we've kind of realized like you have young adults who are like There's college, some stages. you know, and then, then you have marriage and then, you know, when you have uh, kids, things, just the dynamic is quite different. Um, and, and people's particular needs, I think at those different stages are, are different. Um, and certain obstacles and that kind of thing. So what it ended up being was more like younger young adults that are like college age. College age and just starting out in their careers. Um, it's basically the group that everyone's wondering, where are they in the church? That's exactly. was showing up at your doorstep. Exactly. They were, they were totally showing up at our doorstep. That's where they were. That's where they all were. They're the Bullmans. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gone from, you know, we've had, nights when just four or five people showed up and we would still just hang out and talk about whatever was a pertinent philosophical or theological topic. And then we had a night when 35 kids showed up and really packed out the room. They were making remodeling plans to like expand our walls. <laughs> but it really was exactly how I would say the church started. Everybody just got around and wanted to meet the same person and talk about the same person. And there was food and laughter and, and just a time to be with friends and uh, grow in love and grow in, in really a familial atmosphere. So, so it sounds really complicated. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And it, um, I really want to encourage people to do this because it's, you don't have to have an advanced degree in theology to do this. Um, what you need is, is a, a big heart open to God and one another. And uh, it's really fun to me, just the, the thinking about the word abide, you abided with people um, and the word abide and abode, like our home are, it's the same, same idea, like noun versus verb. And you allowed your home to become a home for others. Uh, and in doing so, introduce them to the love of the Lord. And I, I think that, um, you know, the light shines brightest in the darkness. So I think that these little, these little acts of, of faith in um, sharing love with people are so uh, against the culture that, that they shine very brightly. So people are immediately confused. Why, why are these people having us in the home? They have kids and, you know, there's no apparent agenda other than to just um, love me and, uh, and share their joy um, that they found in Christ and in the Catholic Church. And, and not just um, scratch the surface either, but be willing to talk about big topics, you know, yeah. um, deep things. I mean, the first night 
about five minutes before everybody got there, they're like, okay, what do you want to talk about? And it was Rachel and I and Father Blake now. He was a seminarian then, Father Blake Britton. And I was like, I think we ought to talk about the nature of freedom. Like, okay, so we'll talk about freedom, you know. And then we just asked them why they wanted, why they were there. And you could have felt it was like palpable, the Holy Spirit in the room. Because it was almost like everybody just laid their scales at the door and said, this is why I wanted to be here. And there probably wasn't a person in that room that night that didn't cry. Wow. And so it was just incredible. And they, and there are so many different stories. We've actually, actually talked about getting everyone to kind of write down their story of how they, they found the school. There's one young lady who is actually from Texas and she had come into town, moved to Orlando. She went to YCP. Um, and when she was at YCP, she asked someone about a young adult group and someone told her that she should find the Bullmans in Lakeland. So she was actually living in Lakeland. So it worked out perfectly. And the rule was that if you found out about the school, it was, it was kind of like the secret society, <laughs> which I'm, I'm slightly embarrassed to say that because you would come up to the house and our garage door would just open at 8.15 and all these young adults would come in. But they're all in our garage, like in our yard our neighbor was super confused about what was happening at our house once a week. He's like, what are y'all doing once a week? You had a speakeasy in your garage. (laughs) (laughs) But she came in, she didn't know anyone had never met us. She had emailed me and came in and is now like family. So she is now, she lived here about a year and a half and she moved back to Texas, but she still comes back and visits us, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. it's just turned it. There's so many stories like that where, you know, I didn't know them and I walked through their garage and it became a second home to me. So wow. that's, that makes me so happy to hear. I mean, just that, like somebody found a home because I think that um, we have so many adults who are going to in transition out of college into career and family life hasn't started yet, but family life is a, it's a part of being Christian. It's a part of following God because it's inescapable that we belong to the family of God and that we have brothers and sisters in the Lord and we have our elders and then there's the younger people for whom we're responsible. Uh, but if there's no opportunity to live in that reality, then I think the faith is, it's, it's like too thin and it doesn't give us the substance that, that it's meant to have. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think a lot of people, because of the way that we've kind of structured our boxes of ministry, we tend to only think about, that my ministry must be in this box. Like if I can't find something in here to do, but yeah, the Lord yeah. called everyone particularly to something. Yeah. And, and for us, it was to do that. Um, there may be a time the Lord calls us to not do that anymore or yeah. calls us into something else, but whatever that is, that that is on your heart to extend to other people, to meet some sort of need for them, it ends up being a need that you need to meet as well. And so our family really expanded in a way that we didn't know that it was meant to, to expand. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think a lot of people need to just think about ministry as, as a way of, of life yeah. like this. It, my life has to be a ministry. What's your ministry is to love God, love other people and figure out the best way to do that for you. Um, so I really admire how, you know, you were in the middle of growing your family when you did this, because, you know, I've sometimes folks might think, oh, I, I just can't write, you know, and our primary vocation is our family. Of course, we've got to set up boundaries and 
at times like that and discern those things. But I think it's easy to, to think like now's just not the right time. Now's just not the right time. But, um, you know, we need, we need to always be available. We never know when the Lord is going to call us. So I love that quote, Rachel, that's very quotable. We need to view our life as a ministry every moment. And also that, you know, I'm sure we're at, at different times, I mean, I'm guilty as charged that you leave that ministry meeting and then you're, you're in a bad mood at the grocery store or you're rude to the clerk at the checkout counter. It's like, no, everything you do should be in ministry, not when you're in your program box. Right, exactly. So it, it sounds like your ministry was really Trinitarian in the way you, you opened your home and allowed your marriage to be a sacrament of the, the love of the Trinity for these young adults who are coming to be with you? Uh, I think it's a maturing process on so many levels because, you know, um, like Bishop Barron often says, your life is not about you, right? So we are by nature, it because God himself even lives for the sake of the, uh, like, you know, the father pouring out the, himself for the son, the son pouring himself out and they find their identities in one another. Um, the same is true in marriage, the same is true with your kids, to where you could even make an argument, and I think this is true and it's been our experience, that even your family is not for itself, right? It becomes a sacrament for the world, it becomes a sacrament for other families, it becomes a means of grace. And there is a temptation, I think, at every level to be ex or inclusive or exclusive to um, to other people, you know, to sort of like turn in on yourselves. And, and it, it, you know, I mean, my gosh, we, I could talk about this all night, but I mean, even when it comes to kids and going to school and stuff, there's a temptation to want to just like keep your kids away from the entire world. And, and uh, you know, but, but there's something very not natural about that. And t I'm telling you what, the devil would very quickly strike at us right before we would have these you know, young adult ministries, we had every excuse in the world in our mind that we would go through to not have it tonight, you know, because, you know, one kid is throwing a fit or, you know, someone's sick or whatever, you know, you might come up with. But for whatever reason, we, we knew, I think, in the mm -hmm. bottom of our hearts that that was not the right answer. We should still do this. And even if the kids woke up and they came out into the room and we're all having this deep conversation, they're running around or whatever, and it's 10 o'clock at night, it was all the more beautiful. And, and honestly, I don't regret a single one of them. Um, and, and, and I think that that was a huge witness. I, I don't think you can... I don't think you can measure the depth of that witness to those young adults. And I, I want to give one little testimony to that effect, because, you know, one night we talked about the nature of love um, with them. And again, this is like, you know, on a theological level. So we're, we're talking about, you know, how God loves, how we love and, and things like that. And, um, I think that night we happened to have a, a relic of, of the cross, um, you know, by chance we had a relic of the, the cross that Christ himself was crucified on. So we did this like time of prayer um, with the cross and everybody got to hold it for a minute um, and we passed it around. And then we talked about, you know, when was love first distorted for you, you know, that kind of thing. and then we talked about when did you first um, you know, see authentic 
love lived out, you know, among people. And again, this is not to toot our own horn here, but several of the young adults said that they didn't believe marriage could be, you know, that they didn't think that authentic love in the family was a real thing, like it was a possibility until they met us. You can't put a price on that. We changed those people's lives forever. And they changed ours. And they changed ours. Um, And that's something that I will never forget and that I hang out to with all that I can. Um, Being a father, I know that, that I'm safe if I'm loving my wife well and I'm loving my children well. And if people see that, huge witness, you know, and having young adults come over and see that that's possible gives them hope to do the same. Yeah. That's pretty special. And I think that's good motivation for people to be willing to try something like that. So whether it's, I mean, it's opening up their own homes, which I hope more people do, or really whatever ministry God is inviting people to, to engage in. Um, a couple of questions that uh, I'm really curious to hear your answer on. Um, and I'll, I'll say them both just to see which one you would answer first. Um, I think it makes a lot of people nervous to talk about the story of Jesus and then to talk about what the Lord has done for them. Um, so I would just love to hear your advice to people on kind of letting go and just getting started in that. And then um, for people who hear your story and there's, there's a stirring in their heart and they say, I want to do something like this. What advice would you have for them on getting started? <laughs> Those are two really, really good questions. I think you start. Did you, unless you. Um, <clears throat> hmm. So I, you know, everybody's situation is different. Um, for me, uh, it's rather easy uh, in a sense that um uh, so I, I lived a lifestyle that where I kind of fell flat on my face in college. Um, tried a no lot one of, ever does that. Right. I know. So, <laughs> so I um, am excited ab- about um, the, the work that the Lord has done in my life. Um, it is the most real thing to me. I have, you know, no doubts in my mind about the presence of Christ in my life. Um, and, uh, and so for me, there's nothing that I want more for other people because having been myself um, saved um, by, by his love. And so convinced now of um, the belovedness of each one of us that... Um, I can't help but speak of it. Now, I know that's not true of everybody and everybody's experience is different. Um, So as far as like advice, you know. I think that if if you really feel something stirring and you really feel like the Lord is calling you to do something, then you just have to start out every one of those actions with the same question, which is why and who? Like, why am I doing this and who am I doing this for? Mm. And if your why and your who are not the same, which is Jesus and to share him with the world, then you have to take a pause because what's going to happen is, Mm. is you may fail. You may, it may be amazing. There may be all these people that show up 
there may be no one that shows up or there may be the one person that shows up and you change their life forever. But if you're doing it for any other reason, then you're going to have a pass fail rate that's not based on eternity. And it really should be always seen in that light, always seen in the light of the incarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, and to go back and talk about just a little bit about why it's important for people to get comfortable with their own uh, salvation history, their own um, redemption story is that Gabriel was like four years old. He came in the bedroom one night and he said, I'm really scared. I need to tell you, I, I had a really bad dream. And so he got in the bed and I said, can you tell me what the bad dream was? And he said, no, he said, I'm really worried about telling you because is it going to make you scared if I tell you? And I told him, I said, buddy, if you never remember anything that mommy says for the rest of your life, know that when something is scary or when something is good, you should always share it because someone always wants you to keep it to yourself and make you feel like you're alone. But it can be used to empower people or it can be used for something good, but it's never meant to be something that you carry alone. And the same thing can be said about your salvation history, your redemption story. There's something that's going to empower other people to know that God is chasing after them that he's still there in their stories. You know, God is very much part of our own drama and he's been there this whole time. It's not about us introducing him to them like out of nothing. It's for us to say, this is where he's been all along. He's been in this the whole time. And every time that someone shares that story, you're always going to be able to shed that light for other people. I love that. So the, it sounded like Jason, you were what you shared was a, a conviction of um, God's love for you, and and being very firm in that. And that what you share or what you want to share is something great that happened to you. So it's it's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Uh, and then Rachel, to summarize yours, it was um, like your God has He has entered your story to redeem you, and. He wants you to share that with others so that they would know he'll do the same for them. It's beautiful. Perfect. Well, thanks for sharing. Cause I think those are, those are two things we can take to the bank. Um, so Rachel, I also wanted you to talk a little bit about uh, your work with word on fire. So you write for word on fire and use some other cool stuff for them. Uh, so what can you share with us as, as well as what's going on with your book? You know, it's actually a, a, one of the questions that I frequently get asked is, how, how can I, how can I start writing with Word on Fire? <laughs> I probably get, I, I get messages like that all the time. Um, and honest to God, it, there, it amazes me every time <laughs> that, that I get to do that. Uh, so I had become really good friends with a couple of uh, the, the people that work with Word on Fire and just on a whim, because we both watched the same shows I hadn't written in a long time. And I shot one over to him and I just said, Hey, I thought you and your, your kids might enjoy this. And, and he said, Oh, can I put this on the world on fire blog? <laughs> and I looked at Jason whenever he, he texted me back and I said, what? He can't be serious. And he goes, Jason goes, say yes, obviously say yes. And so I said yes. And then that kind of opened up the door for me to join this beautiful family that's not just made of the people that you see, you know, the people that you see in, in their videos yeah. and doing interviews, but all of their marketing, all of the people on the back end reaching out to parishes that work for Word on Fire, 
uh, and a lot of people that don't really like being in any kind of limelight, but are really making this apostle something beautiful and something that's really changing the world. And so we, we have a couple of things that, that I got to help with this past year. Um, they're working on, I'm sure everybody's familiar with a lot of their videos, like the Catholicism series, of course, that Bishop Barron put out, the sacrament series that he's, he also recently started this year and then the Pivotal Players. But then next year, they're going to start doing some stuff on social justice. There's also putting out a, a series of videos that's going to be geared towards um, like Catholicism 101 type questions. And they're really beautiful. They take a, a good 15, 20 minutes to watch and, and hit some really heavy and beautiful and, and really in-depth theological points that, that we need for, for youth, for RCIA, for those that are really wanting to know about the church. And so they do some quality work and the Holy Spirit's all over it. So I hope that, that people are excited about that. And then the book is just another amazing thing. I think that I frequently look at Jason and go, I, I get to live this stuff. How huh? we get to do this? And the book is actually going to be on the theology and philosophy of being a wife. Because there's not a lot of books on that, on just what it means to be a wife, how you find self-gift in matrimony. Really taking a lot of theology of the body, a lot of thoughts from Edith Stein and from Adrian von Speyer, for those that know of her, and kind of bringing them together in light of what it means to really kind of live out the sacramental life in spousality, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's not like, sorry, go ahead. He's my, he's my editor. So there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing that reaches the world that doesn't go through his heart and his, his eyes and his mind first. It's a good, good way to go. So not that it was spousal, but if Justin, if you point that way, where, let me see, let me get the camera thing. He was my editor. So I guess, <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah. And then our well, I'm really enjoying this interview because it's like a peek into uh, Dan's mind, really. Because, you know, I come from the world of business, you know, I have an MBA and I tend to naturally think very programmatic, you know, strategy. And it's funny because last, our, our last time I was with, with a guy that I think thinks a lot like me, Matt, you know, and, and, and Matt and I are going both on strategy and like mission and pillars and all that's well and good. But, and that's kind of like, Maybe this isn't the best analogy. That's almost like the head side of ministry, but the, you cannot forget the heart side of ministry, which is what we're really talking a lot about in this interview, which is the charge to go make disciples doesn't involve a program or a planned outline. Um, it uh, At the heart of it needs to be, yeah, the, the hands reaching out, face-to-face -face interaction. As you know, we make time for programs as church people. Do we make time for people, like you said? So it's been a reminder to me of that charge to... Um, make time for people and go back to grassroots. Cause even if you, like you said earlier, Dan, even if you don't know theology, right. Even if um, you feel like you're not an expert in philosophy, you, everyone can share their story of what God has done in their life. And they don't have to have a dramatic conversion. It could have been little things along the way, but whenever people share their story, we see a different glimmer of God's light. And, um, I think people always love a story. People always love hearing about a person's journey. So thank you for that reminder to, to not get lost in the programs, but fill them, with, fill them with love if you're doing them. So good. We need our, we need our Justins and our Dans. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we need all, we all have a role to play, right? And Amen. We, about that. we just have to be our dot on the painting, right? 
and be really good at being that dot and then it all, it all works out. Right. So true. Yeah. Well, I think one of the, the, the takeaways from this episode for me is remembering that my life is not for me. I don't, I don't exist for my own sake and my family is not just for our family's sake. Um, last one, we had a really good one and it was something along the lines of um, your, your shortcomings and your, your stumbles. Those are a part of your story too. And then for this one, uh, remembering that, that I do not exist for myself and that the lie was like, the Lord has a purpose for me. Um, well, as we, we draw to a close here, Rachel and Jason, I wanted to ask um, just if there's anything the Lord's putting on your heart to share with our listeners, whether that has to do with evangelization, being open to what he's calling us to, anything. <laughs> this whole time, I've just been thinking about the fact that we, we have a vocation first and foremost to holiness and that that holiness has to be the thing from which everything else flows. So when people look at, at the words that I've written or go hear me speak somewhere or watch Jason care for a patient or hopefully one day see him receive holy orders, you have to know that all of that flows from a place of that first vocation. And then also our vocation as husband and wife and our vocation as, as parents. So there's this right way of being son and daughter first, mm -hmm. being spouse to one another, and then being parents to our children. And it's this constant cyclical nature. And any time that I forget to first be a child, then I'm not a good wife and I don't do a good job being a good mom. And so wherever you are right now in like your vocation walk with life, with your, your whatever your vocation finds you at right now, whether you're single or you're married or you're chasing kids around the house, or there's no kids in the house anymore, the Lord is still calling you to have self-gift in this moment. So just like Dan was saying, like none of this, none of this is for you. This is always for someone else. And so you have to continue to go back to those parts of your genealogy as man. Am I a child? Am I being a good spouse? Am I being a good parent? And it always flows in that order. <laughs> That's a great way to close. <laughs> well, thank you both so much. Uh, please count on our prayers and uh, know that we're very grateful for you. And uh, to all the listeners, thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. We're praying for you and look forward to the next one.